The text for the sermon this day is taken from Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2, and it writes, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That is the text. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So we are now in our beginning our second week of the Red Letter Challenge. And if you've been participating in the Red Letter Challenge, you may have noticed that on Friday, the first challenges dropped. Now, as you actually had a challenge, it's something to do. And the thing is, it's all about that theme of being. Because remember, the five principles of the Red Letter Challenge, it's being, forgiving, serving, giving, going. So this week, we're on the week of being. But before we get to that, the text that you just heard. So I want to take you back a little bit to when I was in college at Concordia University in Wisconsin. And my roommate, his name was Damon Wendt. And one of the things that happens when you room with the same person for basically three and a half years of college, you begin to take after them a little bit. So just like a little thing. In my, in my apartment, I always sleep with the fan on. It can be 45 below zero outside and my fan is running. Before I went to CUW, that was not a habit of mine. But because I roomed with somebody who had that habit, I adapted it. Because I found I suddenly couldn't sleep without it on. It's also the reason why I know a little too many Cyclones jokes, because he was a diehard Hawkeye fan. And we also said way too many your mom jokes. You know, your mom went to college, if anybody knows that reference. It got to be so bad we actually gave it up for Lent one year. So. But the thing is, is when you're around someone enough, you begin to take after them. And the case where this is most obvious is with your own parents. You can think about it. Think about the things you say, the things you do, those little itty bitty moments and you re when you've done it, when you've said it, you went, yep, I am my father's son or I am my mo mother's son. Like, you know exactly where you picked up that habit, exactly where you picked up that quote, because when you're around your parents enough, you become, because you've spent so much time with your parents or whoever raised you, you are becoming imitators of them. And see, that is the, this text. Be imitators of God as beloved children. Paul didn't just say, be imitators of God. If he stopped there, he'd say, okay, you got to get, get your act together so you can start being obedient. But he doesn't stop there. He says, as beloved children. Now, it's imitate God like a child imitates their father. So how do we spend time with God? Well, that's the whole point of that theme of being. And it begins here, where you're at right now this morning, 
You are with Christ. First off, you're with one another. The person to your left and the person to your right, the person behind you, and if you have someone in front of you, the person in front of you, they are your brothers and sisters in Christ. You collectively are the body of Christ. This is why whenever you come up to communion, I say welcome to the Lord's table, and I bow towards you, and you bow towards you bow my direction. You're not actually bowing at me. You're bowing because I, in my hand is the bread, which is which in with and under it is the body of Jesus. But I bow to you because you too are the body of Christ. And so when you are around one another, you are with, around Christ. But also, you begin the very first thing you hear in the liturgy, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Those are the words of baptism. That is reminding you that you are a baptized child of God. You are clothed in Christ. And then you confess your sins. And, you, and it's declared unto you, your sins are forgiven. You are absolved. You hear the scripture read. You hear this, the word proclaimed unto you. Jesus himself is the word. As you hear the word, you receive Christ. And very specifically right here, when you receive the very body and blood of Jesus in, with, and under the bread and wine for the forgiveness of sins, you actually receive Christ. Which means you are being in Christ. Being with the Lord. But it flows even beyond what you do here. So if you notice, if you're doing, following along in the challenges, the first challenge was simply to begin a reading plan, to read your Bible. And, and I've said this before, but you as a generation have more access to the Bible than any other generation in the history of the world. You can download it onto an iPad, you can download it onto your cell phone, I mean, for many generations, even a phone, much less a cell phone, that can download the Bible is incredible. But the fact that you can do that is incredible. You have it at your access. Or, but you know what? You don't actually have to physically read it with your eyes. Because most people who originally were hearing from the Bible, they actually had to listen to it. Because there were not a lot of Bibles around. The printing press was not invented until around the 16th century. And even if the Bible was available, many people couldn't even read. So the fact that you could access a Bible, the fact that you can read it, gives you a lot of advantage. But even if you can't do that, you can listen to it. How many? I don't know how many of you spend a little bit of drive time Maybe you're on the way to work. Maybe you're on the way to whatever activity. If you have, if you have a phone or a, a device, you could sit there or you could go buy, if you have a CD or a cassette tape. Yes, the cassette tape, it can be found in the Bible. You can listen to old uh, James Earl Jones recording of the King James Version of the Bible. Pop it into your cassette tape. 
I don't know about A-Track. I'm sure A-Track's got something, a record. But I'm going pretty far back in technology covering most of us. There are ways you can listen to your Bible and hear it. There are, there are apps, there's, there's podcasts, all these ways you can be in the Word. Day two was about prayer. Communicating with God. That incredible tool. And again, don't think you have to there's like a specific place or specific way you'd have to pray. So, for example, yesterday morning, when I went to the uh, Mapleton JVR ball game in Denison, in other words, yes, I went to the wrong town for a volleyball game and realized it later when I got there. Um, but on the way there, what I spent that half hour driving down to Denison was doing prayer. I just shut off the radio, held both of my hands to the steering wheel. I did not close my eyes. But I just, and honestly, when you're driving, just look around. And you can eat, just think about the things to pray for. So as I'm driving, I look and I see, you know, this is kind of a beautiful day. I give thanks to you, God, for this beautiful creation. And I look to the fields. Gave thanks to God for food. Gave thanks for the farmers and prayed for the farmers as we're going through the harvest season. Prayed for, began to pray for those who built the tractors and built the combines. Began praying for, then you see people who are driving, pray for the other drivers. Give thanks for the fact that we can drive the vehicles and we can travel as far as we can take, we can as easily as we can. As I was going to a volleyball game, praying for the volleyball play, or the, I thought I was going to a volleyball game. Eventually went up to the varsity one later. But pray for the players, pray for the coaches, pray for the referees. And by the way, pray for your government. Give thanks for your government, even the ones you don't like. And I always bring this one up because when Paul writes to pray a prayer of thanksgiving for the emperor, Paul wrote that in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Do you even know where Paul was when he wrote those words? He was in jail in shackles, awaiting to be, to be beheaded. So he said, he was telling the people, the church, to give thanks for the same emperor who would have him beheaded. Do we have any excuses like that? Hopefully not yet. But... If anybody had a reason not to give thanks for the emperor, it was Paul. But those, I mean, there are so many things to pray for. Not to mention what's going on in your own life. People you are connected to. Today's challenge. Worship. Be, listen to worship music. You could go, you could go listen to a radio, you could listen to the radio. There's definitely Christian stations out there. But here's another thing you could do. Many of our, anybody that's been confirmed in the last, I think, a few years, their confirmation gift from the congregation was a hymnal. And what they could do is could sit there and read the hymns or sing the hymns. And here's the great thing about doing hymns on your own at home. You could pick whatever hymns you want. If you want to sing Christmas hymns, you could sing Christmas hymns. If somebody picks a hymn that you don't like, you can only blame yourself because you made the choice. 
So that is a, you have that at your access. See, the point is in all of this, being in prayer, being in listening to mu worship music, listening to hymns, whatever it may be, and being in worship, reminding of your sacra the sacrament, receiving the sacrament, hearing the word, hearing what Christ has done for you. That is what leads you to being imitators of God because you are spending time in him. He is the fuel. He is the one who equips you to be more and more like him, to be a disciple of Jesus, to be a follower of Jesus, to be a Christian. Christian, again, means little Christ. To be a Christian means to reflect him. To live that red letter life as we've been focusing on these weeks. To be imitators of God begins and ends with being in the word, being in the sacraments, being in prayer, spending time with your God, spending time with Christ. But it's not just so you can imitate him. It's also the reality as you go through the red letter challenge, especially when you get into the week of forgiveness, you start to think about your failings. The reality is, is that as you go through the red letter, you're not only going to be thinking about, okay, this is how I'm going to work on improving my, work on my walk with Jesus. Work on being, let him lead me and guide me to be imitator of him. The thing about the law if you remember back to confirmation, how many uses of the law are there? Three. The first use is the herb. The second use is the mirror. The third use is the ruler. And depending on which tradition, there might be like slightly different wording. But that's what I grew up with. So the mirror shows your sin. The ruler, that's what we call sanctification. So when we're talking about being imitators of God, that's sanctification. That's showing you if we are Christians, this is how we are going to live. We are going to be not normal. We're going to be different. We're going to stand out from the world as we are living in Christ. But here's the thing with the law. Every single time it's being preached, even as I'm preaching the third use of the law, even as I'm preaching sanctification, every single time it will Condemn. The second use of the law is always at work. You cannot read the law and not think of your own shortcomings, your own failings. If you were, if you'd taken part in the small groups this week, the scripture reading that we focused on was the parable of the Good Samaritan. And at the very beginning, beginning of it, the, the teacher of the law came to Jesus and said. What must I do to be saved? And Jesus said, Well, you know, the, you know the commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. So that right there is the mark. That is the target for perfect obedience to God. It's to perfectly love him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. To perfectly love your neighbor as yourself, without exception. And every time you fail, that is missing the mark. That is sin. 
That's what sin is. Sin is literally to miss the mark. And the reality is, as we go through this 40-day challenge, you're going to be reminded again and again of how you've missed the mark. Which is why we are followers of Jesus. We are followers of Christ. That means we keep our eye on the crucified one. Because we come here to hear the word, to confess our sins, to hear absolution, to remind it of your baptism, to receive this sacred feast. Because you have failed, he who is good and gracious and merciful and kind and gentle forgives you every single time. I don't know if you know this. Do you know how often Martin Luther wanted communion to happen? Daily was Luther's recommendation. If he had it his way, we would have the Lord's Supper every day. But he also said that no pastor or priest or bishop or anybody should, should make a law of that. Rather, his hope is that the, the people, the members, the congregants would come to the pastor and demand it. Demand it regularly. Because the reality is, and the argument a lot of times, well, if we have the Lord's Supper too much, it's not going to be special anymore. Which is like, well, that's like saying, I'm, not going to, I'm only going to eat once a month because it's not very special if I eat every day. It's like, no, that's starving yourself. Yes, if you hold off food, that when you get to eat, it will be special, true. But that's not why you receive the Lord's Supper to feel special. You receive the Lord's Supper because you are a sinner. And in the Lord's Supper, you receive the forgiveness of sins. And the reason why Luther encouraged it to receive it as often as possible is because you cannot even go an hour without sinning. I mean, think about it. We began with confession and absolution. How many can you confidently, how many of you can confidently say, when you said, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities, how many of you can confidently say your mind did not wander, even one little bit? Now, you don't have to raise your hand, because I'm going to guess none of us, me included. Luther had this challenge of one individual where he challenged him to try to say the Lord's Prayer without sinning. And the man couldn't do it, because you can't, your brain wanders. This is how broken we are. And this is why we so badly need the grace of Christ. So badly why we need his forgiveness. And so he invites you again and again and again as we fail to be in his word, to receive his sacrament. Don't neglect it. Because in it, through it, he makes you imitators of him. And when you fail as you will, he invites you back again and again for forgiveness and strength. And in fact, that's how we, right after communion, this is exactly what you hear in the prayers. We give thanks to you, almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift, and we implore you that of your mercy, you would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. That's exactly, that's the prayer you've heard who knows how many hundreds of times. 
You receive this gift of mercy and grace and forgiveness, and in it you are strengthened so that you may go out and serve. That's why you keep coming, to be strengthened. Be in him, that you may be imitators of him and may receive forgiveness in him. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep you in the one true faith, the life everlasting. Amen.